They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Welcome along to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd, and we're recording this the evening after we have beaten Worcester to qualify for the Bob Willis Trophy Final at Lords on the 23rd of September, where after today's news uh, uh, regarding the new COVID restrictions, we won't be able to go. My guests tonight are Steve Tancock and Dan Kingdom. Gents, what do we make of today's game? I'll start with you. Uh, I'll start with you, Steve. Uh thoroughly professional i think what i enjoyed most was that all the bowlers all the bowlers that bowled obviously not lee cheap poor guy but all the bowlers that bowled contributed and and seemed to come up with an important wicket at an important time um i think what what made me happiest was josh davy actually showing a bit of reaction when he got the winning wicket that mm. that meant a lot to me my highlight of Josh Davies' day was when he got that LBW. It wasn't a celeb appeal. It wasn't even an appeal. He just, he just, I forget which one it was. It, I think it earlier. I've got the card here. Who was it? Uh, bum, 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 uh, it's one uh, of the ones uh, early Jack on, Kane. wasn't it? Yeah, Haynes, Haynes. It was. Yeah. He just ran, he just ran towards Slip as, without care in the world. Um, he just knew. Yeah, it was absolutely stone dead, Dan. You're absolutely right. What did you, what did you make of it? Because I'm, I'm still buzzing. I don't know about you. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think going into the game, we thought that this would be our toughest challenge of the group, you know, considering how well Worcestershire have played. Um, and yeah, it, it did turn out that way. So yeah, I'm just so glad that our bowlers managed to keep up the form they've been they've been in this tournament. Um, obviously, it was it was tougher. It was much tougher. We couldn't just blow them away like we blew away Gloucestershire. But you know, they really kept at it. Um, I mean, I didn't see all of. Um, I haven't seen a lot of this game. I've saw it today, but I haven't seen a lot of this game. But from what I hear, you know, with the bowling. You know they got to what uh, 120 odd for one, didn't they, in the second innings? And from you know, mm-hmm. you know we could have you know, yeah, we could have given up from there. You know we could have um, you know started to lose concentration, but no, we kept going and going, and we, it, we plugged away and obviously got those rewards. To, it was a, there was a bit of the collapse, wasn't there? To one, two, eight for four, then there was another mini collapse later, and so yeah, to, mm. you know, particularly that um, that effort there was you know that was brilliant. So that was the first innings I'm talking about there. Sorry. But yeah, that was um, yeah brilliant effort from the bowlers there, and obviously Lamanby as well. Obviously, he has to be uh, obviously the man of the match because that was just that kept us in the game, kept us in the tournament, didn't it? Yeah, it was an incredible not not from uh, young Tom Lamanby. Um, I did I tweeted Gibbo um, saying that we have lost the Overton twins but gained the Lamanby twins. Tom, <laughs> the uh, the gritty first class opener who's prepared to score rugby runs, and Thomas, the T Twenty dasher who can score at uh, score or strike at 200 I'm glad that he understood what I was saying and didn't think I was a blathering idiot who thought they were two different (laughs) players but for a young guy 20 years old to be able to back that amount of time I didn't see it ball by ball but from what I did see there was no twitches there was no nerves he was confident in leaving the ball he was he was uh, confident in his defense he kept a good shape I never felt like he was tempted to just play a, a switch it over third man to try and get a four when the runs had dried up. Just so impressive for a young player to be able to compartmentalise that opening the batting in first class cricket 
and then as he did against Warwickshire on Friday night scored 53 off 20 balls with shots all round the wicket yeah and I think from what I saw as well of, of allowing these innings you know he, he had that routine every what I saw every ball he was sort of walking off to the left obviously getting himself ready and focused for the next ball this was at the point where I think he was batting with Gregory and you know he's just he obviously he's trying to stay completely in the zone have his routine and but also there was you know obviously there was a lot of graft but there was also calculated aggression wasn't there I think at one point he hit a four and a six um, uh, in two balls Um was there a big over of 20 or so off Dolavira? Dolavira, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he knew, knew, knew when to attack and, you know, what, what was the target, clearly. So, yeah, really good. If you if you look at the gold standard of left-handed Somerset openers of our recent past, the thing with Triscothic was you always felt great, great, great play, and I don't want to knock him, but... I thought you were talking about Eddie had... Byron for a minute there, Steve, sorry. Nah, nah, nah. I'll come on to him in a minute but Trez Trez was so good that he sort of started in third gear in championship games didn't he mm. and you know there was third then there was fourth and then there was fifth and it was glorious what impressed me most was the third the second evening and the third morning with Lamanby where he just gutsed it out and he was he was not phased at all by the fact that we weren't scoring runs. We scored like two runs in the first mm. half an hour yesterday morning. But then as Dan says, once he gets the opportunity to score, he'll take that opportunity. Um, and I think he, he strikes me as being really mature batting wise for his age. And that's got to, yeah. got to bode well. And isn't that a great thing about this competition, you know, looking all around, Lancashire have blooded about five young players who've all done well. Um, Kent have had Jordan Cox come on. You know that's got to be good for cricket as a whole. Yeah, definitely. And if if Matt if we hadn't had COVID and Matt Wade had, had been been here, he might not have even have got a go. Mm. What one innings? It reminded me Lamanby's innings, and this is high praise. And I don't know if I'm bigging him up too much, but it reminded me of Stokes's innings against Australia at Headingley last year because everybody talks about uh, the big shots and the big reverses that he played um, on that Sunday but the day before he batted pretty much all afternoon for about five didn't he he was he, I think it was two mm-hmm. or 70 something like that nobody remembers that nobody remembers that setting up the game waiting 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 for the bowlers to tire waiting for your opportunities to score knowing it will come and that's why I think uh, that's what Lammers did yesterday. It was patient. It, it just brilliant. Just so impressed with such a young guy uh, to be able to do that. And I think we found one. And I hope he continues. But not too much so that England pinch him off us. But uh, that's a conversation <laughs> for another time. And a conversation that, to be fair, I do I do hope we have. Um, could he have done any? Is, that, is there a Lions tour this year? It's probably a bit up in the air. But were there one? Could he have done any more to get on it? No, not really. I don't think. Um, to you know, it's his last three innings, isn't it? And before that, well, he had two hundreds in his last three innings. Plus, sandwiched in between them is the twenty-eight from eighty-six balls on the first morning, which was you know that was very important. Um, yeah, he would he would be in with a shout. I mean, there are, there are a lot of players you know who who are always in with a shout with these Lions tours. But yeah, based on only five games this season, there's not you know there's not a huge sample size to pick from. So he's one of the players who could have could have uh, made it on there but whether there is a Lions tour I'm not, I'm not sure to be honest there, there usually is one obviously uh, every winter or two even but um, I'm not sure whether there's any going ahead this year I could Google it at the moment but I can't be bothered yeah 
Tom Lamberby's stats this year, five games, nine innings, 343 runs, at an average of 49 with two hundreds, both of them unbeaten. Yep. You can't ask any more than that. So we are off to Lords. It doesn't look like we'll get uh, <clears throat> we'll get there. What this game did remind me of um, was a situation we found ourselves in last year with uh, the Hampshire game away, where we fluffed our lines big time. Um, this now shows to me that this side is probably mature because we went <coughs> went excuse me to an away game, a must-win game. If we'd have won that game at Hampshire, we'd have only needed to draw the game with Essex. Um, last yep. year to win uh, to win the county championship. This year we went away. Similar situation, effectively a semi-final. It was a tough game. The pitch wasn't great. I think Tom Lambie said it was difficult to get runs on, but it was also difficult to get wickets on. So you basically had to bat like he did uh, to get any uh, any sort of score. Do you think? Do you see any more signs of maturity this year than than last year, Steve? Yes, I think so. I, I think most important. Abel's matured as a captain um, I think most people will know that I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Tom Abel um, and I, I get a little annoyed and I was going to I think Anthony sometimes is a little bit guilty of that, that he, he often says that some are sort of a bit formulaic in their field placings and their bowling changes I don't agree and I think Kerr's clearly giving Abel a little more headroom or headspace each each game each year and I thought he got it absolutely right. The thing that impressed me was bringing Craig back before lunch. Because I think, I, I wrote in my blog today, I think part of it was self-defence because I wouldn't have liked to have been in the dressing room at lunchtime with Craig because he was properly stewing with his mm. his bad luck and misfortune and just not getting anything. But clearly he sensed that there was a, a chance and that, that was the pivotal wicket for me, getting Dolavira right before... Mm. Lunch. lunch. I was yeah. I was really relaxed after that. So I think I think Tom Abel's maturity is filtering down to the rest of the side, and I think they they have got even more confidence in him now. Yeah, can I just add to that as well? Another bowling change I thought was good was um, after lunch when Overton and Gregory they each had an over where they got hit for a few runs. They seemed to get a bit loose, and I was saying, you know, obviously then Davy came on, and then I was saying, well, I reckon Leach from the other end tie up an end because I was I was bit, I was a bit worried, but. Instead, Tom Abel went for Jack Brooks, obviously the more attacking option, the player who could go for runs. But Jack Brooks didn't take very long to get Joe Leach out. And then he also got um, another wicket as well, didn't he? So, yeah, that was more with captaincy that I spotted from Tom as well. Yeah, he got the last wicket of uh, of Pennington to... Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, he got Pennington. Cox was... Uh, Cox, Cox, Cox. Yeah, it was Pennington. Yeah, and then Cox was last yeah. man. If we, can, if we can get Alistair Cook first ball at Lords, we'll have a team hat-trick. Because we took wickets for consecutive balls to win the game, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Let's just uh, let's just hope Alex Wharf's not umpiring and he's not hit on the pad. Oh. It'd be nice if we nice if we had Hawkeye for the final because I'm sure that one would have been reviewed from uh, uh, from last year. I'm still stewing about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm still stewing about the terrible communication on that third day. I'm still stewing about how they kept us off for an hour and a half in the morning after a two minute shower. Anyway, that's enough of my uh, personal feelings towards uh, towards Alex Wharf. You just mentioned there, Dan, Jack Leach not bowling in the second innings, um, and he only bowled eight overs in the first. Is it surprising now how little spinners have bowled in our red ball cricket this year? Um, 
not really when you consider how well the seam bowlers have done. I mean, they've done so well that we just haven't got to the stage where we've needed the spinners, um, particularly in the Gloucestershire game, particularly in the North Hans game. Um, and yeah, I mean, I suppose against Warwickshire, if that if Warwickshire had been a full match, I suppose without the rain, we may have seen a bit of spin. But I mean, I think it's partly down to the fact that obviously Roloff, you know, he's a, he's a solid spinner in Championship cricket, but because it was Roloff rather than Leach or Bess, I think that's possibly been a contributing factor. If Leach had played all all, all of the games, then I, I reckon he'd have, he'd have bowled more than Roloff did. Um, but yeah, I think it's well. See the Taunton wickets this year. You know, well they weren't they weren't you know the stereotypical cider or bad. So that's another factor as well that's um, meant that spin hasn't been needed. But got a feeling you know for that final Lords um, is Lords can you know there can be a lot of spin needed at Lords sometimes. Um, so I've got a feeling maybe Leach might come into play then. We may even need best, depending on conditions, you know, in late September. You never know. Do you think we've waved bye-bye to Cider about Steve? Yep. Yep, definitely. I think Simon Lee's obviously gone. Um, again, I'm not apportioning any blame, but I think the new groundsman will know that 12-point penalty is hanging over us. Uh I said last year, and I, that was one of the things that I couldn't understand. When you had the two overturns, Jack Brooks, Lewis Gregory, Josh Davey, we can beat anyone with our bowling attack on any surface, as we've proved this season. Uh, I wonder with Leach whether his selection was almost, we'll pick you, we don't really expect you to do much, but at least you've had a game. Mm. Uh, and as Dan said earlier, it, it's, it was comforting in that. I thought the same, Dan, in that that Leach Cox partnership. Well, I wasn't quite so so panicky about it, but I thought if we need to, we can bring Jack on, and we've got that option. And I think the fact he's played a game, even though he's not contributed, will stand him in good stead. Mm. So I'm sure he'll play at Lords. I'd like to get him out the slips, though. He doesn't look um, he doesn't look the safest pair of hands in the slips. I don't know if you guys picked it up. I put a tweet about it, but literally every time the ball's delivered, he twitches his feet. His right foot just goes. Yeah. It's almost like he's got a tick. And that, if he's going to stay in the slips um, for any length of time, I hope he doesn't, because I do hope that James Hildreth, uh, who's had a scan today, I don't think we've had a uh, any announcement from the club about what that has come up with. No, it's not really. I haven't seen anything. No, it's whether it's. It, look, it looked pretty bad though, and even if it's a yeah. mild tear, that's two to three weeks. Mm. Yeah. So it would be it would be a big call to pick him, wouldn't it? Because then, you know, you, you're probably looking at leaving out Byram the way the sides configured mm. now, or you know, Ben Green, and then going back to Byram opening again. Yeah, I and a big risk if it goes again. You're you are literally hamstrung in the final. Absolutely, I I can't see them going back to Byram opening after putting him down in this game and then putting Ben Green back up. Ben Green has opened before. He opened in the in the Mad seventy seven all out game against Lancashire a couple of years ago. So maybe that's <laughs> why they did it. They just thought we'll we'll stick Eddie down for this one. Give give Ben a go. Um, should we talk about well the other else? thing of course is Banton Banton should be available for the final no he's not I don't think alright I don't know if Ian saw there was a tweet earlier that Banton did basically saying like, I can't wait to get out there to the UAE for the IPL because um, the IPL starts on 19th September um, obviously okay. he'll probably miss the start of it because of England and then he has to get over there he probably has to quarantine and everything but I'm presuming he'll be going straight to the IPL after he's done with England 
which is a shame. So it means he'll miss when he, he would have been available for the last two games of the Blast, Bobolus final, and then the Blast knockouts if necessary. So it looks like we'll miss him for that, I think. Oh, okay. Mm. Good knowledge again, Dan. <laughs> That's why we have Dan on. He's, he's the king of stats. <laughs> he's also, he, is, he also he holds is. the Guinness World Record for explaining Duckworth Lewis Stern on Twitter and Facebook <laughs> over a 12-hour period from 10, well, about 10 p.m. Friday night to 10 a.m. Saturday morning. It's just copy and pasting, it was. <laughs> oh, uh, wait a minute, how did how did we chase more runs than them? Than they scored and then we lost. Right. I know it's something to do with resources and wickets in hand, and I and I trust the mathematicians and, and statisticians and everything else behind it that that it's worked. If it didn't, if it wasn't more or less fair, we wouldn't be using it. Speaking about Tom Banton, I'm not overly upset that he's going to be missing the Bob Willis Trophy final. He's he hasn't quite found his way in Red Bull cricket yet, has he? No. no. Um, sorry. Um, do, do you want to speak, Steve? No, go on, Dan. Um, yeah, I mean, he he's oddly honest. He started better last season. He he started quite well. I think after seven innings, he was averaging forty-two. But that was probably that was before the blast started, and after the blast started, he. Um, but well, he did. He did have a sixty-six at Edgebaston, but I wonder if you know. Then towards the end of the season, he didn't do much in those sort of last three or four games after the blast finished. Um, so you can do it in Red Bull cricket. He had a sixty on at Canterbury, but yeah, at the moment, I think he's in white ball mode. He's he's only batted what three times a season. And he's averaging eleven. Mm. Um, if Hildreth had been fit for the Bob Willis final and Banton was available, I think we'd have a bit of a dilemma as to you know whether to whether to play Banton at all. It would have been diff- he'd have probably had to open instead of Byram. As it is, um, he probably would have, so now that Hill's just injured, I think Banton would have come in if he was available, probably for Ben Green. But now as it is, it doesn't matter anyway because Banton's, as it looks like, off to the IPL. So. Mm. Going back to what you were saying about Lamanby, and I think that's, that's Banton's dilemma. He's got the Tom, but he hasn't got the Thomas yet. Mm. He hasn't, he's, he's caught between, isn't he? And I, I'd like him to open in the Red Bull and just tell him to go and play his naturalish game and let him find his way at the top because clearly Lamanby has. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I don't think him batting in the middle order for England in the white ball stuff works. He's, a, he's an opener. And I, I, I'm a great fan of you just say to him, when you play for us, you are going to be one of our openers or you're going to bat three or whatever the role is. And you tell him to go and do it, and I think he he doesn't know whether to he wants to be aggressive, but he thinks if I get out playing an aggressive shot, I'm going to look bad, uh, and maybe his technique's not quite as secure as an Abel or a Lamon be yet. And that that will develop later. I think it, it, about aggression is a good point because looking at Tom Tom Lamanby batting on that third morning, he seemed to have an aggression in his defence. It was all with purpose it it wasn't like oh, I'm missing out on scoring here I'm missing out on scoring I need to get the scoreboard moving it was this is what I'm doing for my team boys it's all on my shoulders you keep throwing it at me and I'm going to keep patting it back and I'm going to wait and I'm going to take my opportunity when the uh, the odds are in my favour and you know what maybe if Tom Banton did open with Tom Lamanby, some of that might rub off you never know yeah I'd like to see it, but he is—he's definitely got the talent to succeed in uh, in Red Bull cricket. Just quickly before we leave Tom Banton, I couldn't believe after three 
Um, three successes opening the batting. I think he got 70 odd and, and a couple of 40s, something like that, against Pakistan. He was then shunted back down into the middle order where he hasn't done as well, albeit for, for Joss Butler, one of uh, one of the all-time great white ball players for England. But you could have had Butler down there who can bat anywhere between three and six and kept on blooding this promising youngster at the top of the order, but they didn't do that, which seemed a bit strange to me. Yeah, I think their long-term plan is just to open in the World T20. Um, and I, I, yeah, Joss is, you know, he, he can bat anywhere. And the, the thing is, if Joss is in the middle order, it puts Banton in his best position and it puts other players in the best position as well. By having Joss open, it's probably Joss's best position, but it sort of displaces others. Mm. So that's the, that, that, yeah, that's the argument for not having Joss opening. But, you know, you've got to say that there is the argument. The, the argument for Joss opening is that, uh, I'm not sure was it the second T20 where or I can't know if it's the first or second but you know the fact that Joss opened and scores 70 odd he was able to completely dictate the game and you know he you know he's he's the one of the best white ball batsmen in the world so it, it makes sense in some ways for him to face as many balls as possible um, but they've got to work out whether you know the benefit of having Joss opening is um, is more than the benefit of having Banton opening and others in the right position with Joss in the middle order that's that's sort of their the thing they've got to work out before the World T20 um, next year. Yeah, I think I saw today that Jason Roy's going to be fit and available again for um, the ODIs against Australia. So yeah. who knows where Banton's going to be batting for that if, if he is even selected. But um, yeah, it is a shame because he is he's a white ball opener by trade and um, particularly in in New Zealand last uh, over the winter where he wasn't opening the batting there. It was, it's like, well, Oh, he's, he's an opener. Have you not seen what he's been doing in the blast? Just seemed just seemed very strange to me, especially when that England England squad that toured New Zealand last year was a uh, a bit of a second eleven to give all the the World Cup players a break. Right, what else have we got to talk about from this uh, this Worcester game? Eddie Byram, first innings, got to thirty, Steve, and then what happened? He was a bit unlucky in the first innings, wasn't he? Because he got, he actually was batting really well. I'm um, just looking back through my notes. Uh, caught a point mm. off of Pennington, and it from the highlight. I didn't see it live, but I saw the highlight of that dismissal, and it looked like he actually hit it really well. Mm. I think he's just one of those batsmen that, at the moment, he's finding ways to get out in that 20 to 30 zone, and it must, it must be impacting his confidence and in a weird sort of way seeing Lamanby get 200s in the last two games has probably impacted his confidence as well uh, I think they, they rate him very highly, the fact that he's been given that quite pivotal five position in the T20 side and to go and, and do that as well uh, I, I wonder if he's actually just a bit too nice, whereas mm. you said Lamanby has got that when he, I absolutely agree with you Lamont B defends with a really wide bat, as as I used to be told by professional cricketers. Show on the maker's name. I, yeah, but it's a really wide maker's name with Lamont B, and I don't don't think Byram yet has got that assertiveness in either defence or attack that that he needs to have. But hopefully, he'll go away over the winter and come back better for the experience this year. I still think he's a he's a keeper and he's a long term option for us. Yeah, yeah. And, sorry, Dan, off you go. 
Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so in, the, in terms of the numbers this season, yeah, his innings, he's had five scores uh, between 20 and 30, so 20, 22, 27, 30, 30. And that is, in previous seasons, well, his best season remains 2017, when I had a look at the numbers a few weeks ago, and he had eight scores out of about 15 innings that year, between 38 and 56, I think it was. And since then, he's not actually reached those heights. I mean, obviously not that getting between 38 and 56 a lot is particularly high height, but you know he's he's actually regressed a little bit since um, he didn't even play a game. Um, no, so he played one game last season, and this year, when given the opportunity again as first choice, he's you know he's sort of getting to little twenties. He's making a thirty or two, but what we need is from him is yeah, he needs we need to get him more towards the fifties and seventies. You know, next year if he's playing a lot, if he, if he's in the first choice team next year, what we need to see from him really is a century or two maybe but if not then at least some 70s and 80s to go with the starts because obviously naturally as an opening you're going to get a lot of single figure scores but we just need to start seeing at this point four or five years into his career we need to start seeing those you know those 70s and 80s I think just to show that he's really progressed a bit um, in four day cricket yeah it's, it's not an insurmountable problem getting out between naught and 10 is, is a problem getting to 30 and then getting out is is I think a problem that you can overcome it's either got to be a mindset change a, a slight mm. technical change but the guy can score runs and the guy can hit a cricket ball yeah. he was unlucky second innings um, one of the, ben the great things about YouTube streaming is freeze framing it and zooming in not even needing Hawkeye to see that the ball hit him on the pad about three inches outside the off stump looked to me like he was giving out on the shot on that one um, just trying to work it to the leg side but yeah, like you say, I like him. I think he's he's got talent. It's just he needs to start converting it into scores. And as you say, Steve, he might have hit that one really, really well. But if you hit it in the air to a fielder, you're in a bit of trouble. Um, so yeah, um, I'd keep uh, yeah, I keep persisting with Eddie Byram. He's he the guy's got a lot of talent. I think he can uh, he can be a success for us. But like I say, he needs to start converting scores big time. I wonder if he, but for next season, we're going to want probably in an ideal world, if it's a normal, normal season, we're going to want an overseas player. So would he be, we'll come well, on to sorry, we'll two overseas come on players, ideally. That's on the agenda. We'll yeah. come on to our dream overseas players uh, okay. after we've pre, uh, had a little look ahead to the uh, to okay. the blast um, in a second or two. Uh, gents, I've got nothing more to um, add to the, to the Worcester game other than that it was a, a fantastic performance. Um, one thing I did feel in the game, I never felt that we were behind the game. I never felt that we were ahead of the game. It just felt very even Stevens kind of all the way through. I know yeah. we got a 50-run first innings lead, but it didn't feel like, oh, yeah, 50 runs, that's fine. Yeah, we can, that's it. Now we've won the game. we just got to turn up for the la for the next few days and, and we'll be okay. Um, did it feel like that to you? Because it, it just felt to me that we were a, a good 10 minutes or a, for them or a bad 10, 20 minutes for us and we'd be right behind the eight ball again. I I didn't feel at any point in the game particularly worried. I think there were one or two occasions where I was just like for five minutes thinking, oh, hello, this could get away from us here. And then, as I was saying with the bowlers, someone came on, stood up and took a wicket. Uh, I think perhaps it's you, you viewed that game almost through the prism of the four previous games, whereas Dan said earlier, we just you know, rolled teams over for fun. Uh, 
I think Worcestershire are clearly far better than their position last season indicated. I'm, I've got this thing where, you know, I'm a cricket fan as, as much as I'm a Somerset fan, and I've got players to other counties that I really admire. And Jake Libby, for me, I think, you know, leading run scorer, I think, in the competition. But, you know, getting Libby out twice for me without him making a, a big contribution was a big key to mm, that game. 58 and 23 uh, you got. You know, they, they're a good side. You know, you get you get five wickets down and you've got Cox, Barnard and Leach still to come. Um, and, you know, we, they are very much like us, aren't they? they? They develop their own. They're one of those less fashionable counties. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're one of the teams. I, I remember as a kid, Worcestershire always used to come to Taunton and beat us before sort of close and the, the Rose Golden Years theorists. Mm, Graham hit like and that I think, there, you know, didn't he? Well, they had they had Norman Gifford, and they had an opener called Ron Headley. He was not quite good enough to get in the West Indies, but he was really good. And they just had really, really good, solid players. And I think they're they're one of the teams that deserves this conference system they're talking about because I think they, you know, they they yo-yo, don't they? But I think they would they would benefit out of a conference system. Yeah, Gibber was talking about it on the radio today. There's. I've not seen any sort of concrete news myself, but there, there were there was a two-day meeting up at Lords where they were mm-hmm. where they were talking about this for next season. Do you guys uh, know any more than myself? I read um, I saw something on the Times earlier um, that this conference system is looking likely to go ahead for next year. Um, apparently, sixteen of the eighteen counties are in favour. Um, yeah, that was the main gist of it. I think it, it's not necessarily permanent, but I think it's the you know that's the way the winds are blowing. I think it's likely to be, by the looks of it, it's likely to become permanent after next season, um, because you know the various reasons that you probably read obviously in the Mike Afton article. The main reason, obviously, being that giving all the counties a chance and putting them on equal footing. So, and it's a good system, I think, as well. The, you know, I I do like the two divisions, but if you're going to go to conferences, the system that they've proposed um, works. Well, reasonably well I think the the flaw in the system for me is because they're talking about having this super September aren't they so you play the the three conferences and then the top two of each conference go into you know the super league or whatever you want to call it that's going to be a bit dispiriting for the teams that are lower down because they're just playing for seedings which doesn't really mean a huge amount and prize money uh, as well yeah 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 okay that's I don't think that's going to be hugely motivational because yeah. probably most of it are going bonuses anyway. But I like the I, I like the idea that we'll get to see different teams taunting every year. That's that's and and the other thing, of course, is we can all gloat about how we were the most successful, longest-standing Division One team in the history of Division One, and nobody can take that away from us. So that would be nice as well. Absolutely, yeah. But then. They did make a very good point on uh, on the radio. Dave was it Dave Bradley, the Worcester commentator. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He said that change is good, fiddling is not. They keep fiddling with the county mm-hmm. championship, but they don't ever give it a, a meaningful positive change. But um, let's hope this is a meaningful uh, positive change. And like you say, whatever format is in, whether we have a, uh, they do go ahead with this Super September or not, we'll uh, we'll await that with bated breath. So, gents, we are done with the Bob Willis Trophy uh, group stage. We finished top with 97 points. Our attention now turns back to the Vitality Blasts. 
with a game against guess who on the 11th of September <laughs> half past six at the Cooper Associates Granted Ground it's Worcester again um, I did a bit of a review with uh, with Gibbo on Saturday the first round of last games um, how did you guys think it went go on uh, I think the, the Blast team is much more of a work in progress uh, obviously <laughs> but you know they're clearly giving Ollie Sale this death overs Josh David I don't think Josh David played any T20 last year but he's now coming back into the side uh, and the batting order still seems a bit a bit up in the air uh, so I'm not I'd like I'd like to win the blast of course are we good mm-hmm. enough to win the blast I think on our day we are but as I I keep saying to people T20 cricket is very like baseball it's, it was designed originally to fit that when you finish work you go to a game and the whole thing with baseball is the best team in baseball can lose to the worst team on any given day that's why they play 162 games in a normal regular season so Worcestershire are a decent T20 side they were a very good T20 side last year and now they're bottom of the table mm-hmm. Warwickshire I think are a very poor T20 side and yet they managed to beat us in a 12 over thrash basically because of one over mm. you know and that's people have to watch the games and see it through that that the best team at T20 doesn't always doesn't very often win the T20 yeah I think that's the case of Essex last year you know they they scraped for the group stage with five wins and obviously they were helped by a load of their results and we I was there at Chelmsford when we beat them and yeah we destroyed them you know we was it was a it was one of our biggest ever wins in T20 cricket about 100 runs or so you know um mm. Yeah, following up on Somerset. Um, yeah, I think we. I very much think we're good enough to get through the group. Particularly now we've got Baba and we've got Gregory back. Neither of them have yet. You know, they've only had two games each. Neither of them have yet. You know, re, you know, hit that. Hit the. Hit the uh, standards we know they can meet. But um, I think we. You know, with five games left, three at home. Gregory and Baba are available. I think we. I think we should go through. I'll be a little bit disappointed if we don't. But you know, I'm not going to be overly bothered because you know, we're in the Bob Willis final and it's twenty would be a bonus. Um but yeah, I think we can get through and if we're three into the quarters then, you know, you never know. Um so anything can happen from there. And particularly this year as well, the tournament well, we actually have a bit of an advantage in having Baba because there aren't many overseas players um across the tournament. Only about half the teams have got an overseas player. Um so yeah, I think it's very winnable because the the playing field is quite level. But yeah and how would you rejig the batting order? Because we're going to be without Hildy, aren't we? What's what's do you two think about that? Um, I'll give Lewis Goldsworthy. No, I thought about it, but gone. I'd say I'd give Lewis Goldsworthy a go. What have you got to lose? Mm, essentially, yeah. Um, obviously, Ben Green missed out on the last game. I mean, he he might just come back in. Um, I think we need to make sure. I I think Abel should go up to three now. Um, and I I said that at the start of the season. I think Abel should be at three. He was so good in the T Twenty last year. Um, I want to give, give him as many balls as possible to face. I think you know, Byron might go up to four now. Again, I mean, he might stay at five. But you know, Byron, we haven't seen... We had, we, had, we had one cameo against Worcestershire, but last year in the T20, he had a strike rate of 196 or so. And, you know, three of his innings, you know, he went at more than a run of ball or about a run of ball. You know, we haven't quite seen that this year. So that's something else to look out for in the last few games, I think. Um and yeah, and I said, hopefully Baba could, could come to the party. Because, you know, on, on our day, that batting line is so good. And we could, you know, even against Worcester, when we scored 230, 
we could have even scored more than that. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Baba will certainly won't be available for finals day. I think I, he might. I think they said initially that he I would be. A, I saw a tweet come out from him. Let me just find it on my phone. It was it was the uh, whichever franchise he's playing for in the Pakistan Super League squad, and he was named as captain. And I'm pretty sure it started around the last week of September. Let's have a look. Oh, in the the, the knockouts of the Pakistan Super League. Yeah, yeah, because I've saw that as well. It's in Abu Dhabi, isn't it? They've got to be in do quarantine before they can play. I thought that was in um, uh, November. Maybe Don't think so. Mistake. I was wondering. Well, it's, it says here, um, um, Wikipedia, fourteenth of November, fifteenth of November. So, okay, shouldn't be an issue unless there's something else. There may be something else that's that's being played in Pakistan. I suppose. Um, the Pakistan, the other Pakistan T20 competition is usually September, October, so it could be, be something to do with that. Might be that. I knew Somerset, when Somerset signed him, they did say um, quarterfinals, and you know, they, I'm sure they said knockouts. They said he'd be available for knockouts, but you know, that can that can always change with overseas players. So, mm. I'll hold my hands up. I must I must have misread whatever whatever dates were were uh, were put on that tweet there. So, yeah, let's hope that uh, Baba's available. Speaking of overseas players, gents, we have a little bit of a chat about what we might like for 2021, um, both maybe domestic and overseas signings. <laughs> I've just sprung you on Don't this see. a little bit, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys have a think before I tell you what I'd go for. Um, overseas, um, I think we'd be well served getting an opener in. I'd go for Tom Latham of New Zealand. Um, there aren't many countries in the world where the pitches are similar to the UK but New Zealand is certainly one of them. Uh, Garbage is 44 open in the batting and I think he would be not necessarily a stopgap replacement but I think he would uh, he would do a job for us. What are your thoughts on that before we hear what you guys think? Um, well yeah I agree Latham which, yeah Latham is another name that I thought of the, the other day as well. Um, and I'd be very happy to have him yet yeah, one of the best openers in the world um, Dean Elgar as well I'd love to see him back if we could um, obviously he's been at Surrey last season the season before I'm not sure how well he did with Surrey in those last this particularly last year I'm, I might be wrong but my perception is he didn't have a brilliant season but when he was last with us yeah he was really good um, and obviously Renshaw as well potentially is another option um, that I'd love to see back but again I, I always say Renshaw he was so good last time I feel like he did overachieve a little bit and he, he's never going to reach those heights again but if he can come back and average 35-40 I think we'd be reasonably happy um, but obviously in signing an opener as I was saying, about to say earlier Eddie Byram is probably going to have to drop out of the side um, unless I mean, the only other player they, I could see dropping out of the side is Hildreth considering he's not actually been in good form this year but I, yeah, I, I can't see that happening Anytime soon, make that if if Hildreth was to be dropped, that wouldn't be till later next season, I think. Um, so initially, if we're looking to sign an overseas player, I think it would be an opener, and obviously there's the possibility of a second overseas player as well. I think because they're 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 going to be allowed next year, so I think that would logically be a bowler, but don't have any names at the moment for that. Yeah, I mean, I was I've only gone for one because I can't really see who else. Would would benefit us? I mean, there are there are obviously there are plenty of good bowlers around the world, but would you want to disrupt that bowling attack that we've we've 
we've got this year. I mean, our worst performing bowler is averaging less than twenty, mm. <laughs> which is you know utterly ridiculous. Um, the the potency and um, and performance of that attack this year, and I just wonder if signing an overseas bowler of whatever quality might just be not necessarily a waste of money, but it could cause you know disruption to that attack. Um, I say if if Philander had, had played this year, who you, who would he've come in for on this form? Yeah, I think it, uh, I'd like an overseas bowler if just to add to the depth of the attack because obviously we've now lost Jamie, we've lost Gilchrist, um, we've now only got you know six proper fast bowlers, um, and I don't think an overseas player would have to play every game, but over a full season of county championship cricket. Um, you know, you do. You know, you, you want you want more than six fast bowlers, and I don't think. And my theory with Philander this year was that I looked at the start of the season. We had seven county championship games in a row. Considering Philander against England didn't look that fit, I thought he might only play three or four of them. You know, he's yeah, sort I, of rotating and out. I think Josh Butler commented on his fitness a couple of times. I can't quite remember what he said. <laughs> I think they'll stick with who they know, and I think that the Renshaw shout is a really good one because I know he was really popular in the dressing room uh, and I heard it on good authority that he wasn't particularly happy at Canterbury when he was there last year he felt it, that it, it was lacking something that Taunton had uh, and don't forget Babal because I think mm. he he wants to be an all format player and he's at that stage of his career where he can play pretty much all year round for another two or three years and I think I think they will want to stick if they can to players that they know. And obviously they're not going to have both of those. Uh, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they didn't get Philander in for the season. For you know, you, you almost say you've got one bowler out to Philander and Brooks because they're both at similar stages in their careers. Uh, Jack's in the last year of his contract next year. And they keep saying that, you know, people at the ground keep saying that he seems to be limping and he said that he's he's still not 100%. So, but then you block the Ollie Sales and Ben Greens and maybe Lamanby's bowling in the championship, don't you? It's really hard, really hard. I'm glad Andy Hurry and Jason Kerr do what Andy Hurry and Jason Kerr do, I have to be honest. <laughs> I looked at the other counties the other day just out of interest to see what numbers of fastballs they have. And, you know, they all, the big ones, you know, the big counties, Yorkshire, Surrey, um, Middlesex, Hampshire, they've all got sort of nine or ten fastballers. You know, and we've only got six now, so we are definitely going to need a couple of signings. I think my theory is be an overseas player and a domestic player potentially. Um, and I've sort of had a look at domestic players out of contract. Matt Dunn is the only one that would strike me as a possible signing. He's possibly similar to Jamie. He's quite fast. I think he's sort of he's been around the sofa quite a while and maybe not kicked on. He was a bit of an exciting talent a few years ago. So that's just a name to throw out there. Hmm. Uh, I. I think Yorkshire might have one or two and I think Durham might have one or two moving. I heard that Borthwick's going back to Durham at the end of the season. Yeah, I see that too. I think that's yeah, I think that's pretty concrete. Yeah. So there's I think there's going to be quite a lot of movement in the off season because you've got these young players that have come through and I think the talent pool among English cricketers is a big factor but also the, the two overseas players is in response to the change of the cold pack rules isn't it yeah. so that's there are going to be teams mentioning no names but something that sounds a bit like Northamptonshire who might have a bit of an issue there 
yeah, with steel, getting steel uh, box. getting a squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, thankfully we're not in that position. It it, it still brings a, a great deal of pride that looking at the sides, uh, well, the two sides, in fact, that um, that played up at New Road over the last few days, that the amount of homegrown talent in both teams um, was a real a real testament to the effort that um, that us and uh, and counties like Worcester have put into developing our youngsters and, and giving them a chance. Because, like you say, you can't these guys can't succeed unless unless you you know you blood them and you give them their chance um have you got have either of you got one player irrationally one player with another county that you would like to play for somerset jamie overton no um (laughs) (laughs) i'll have to have a think about that yeah come back to you next time perhaps obviously you'd, you'd be looking straight to your england internationals but they'd all be you wouldn't see them for half the season Someone like Ollie Robinson at Sussex, obviously, is obviously yeah. a bowler, but I don't think we need to add to our bowlers. I suppose it's more. Uh, I, I thought of that because of my my love for Libby, but, you know, and he's a Cornishman as well. So he's what is he only twenty five or twenty six? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably go for Gary Balance. I think would be for me. Um, mm. Yeah, we got a very, very good county batsman. Yeah, yeah, as good yeah. A record as anybody slots right into our middle order. Um, we'll we'll hold you to that, Dan, for the next podcast. <laughs> we'll, we'll remember that one. You've got to come up with a really good answer next time. Definitely. I was, um, I enjoyed today's cricket because it gave um, our game finished about uh, sort of half two, quarter three, which then gave us the chance to watch some I don't know if you guys did but watch some vintage Petrie go in that game of knots mm. uh, against Durham when they were chasing it was like what do they need about 210 or 15 overs or something stupid like that and um, it was good to see the tattoo Tonka doing what he does best um, what do you get until Dan gave him the commentator's curse on Twitter and he was out, out the way next <laughs> I wasn't actually watching I just uh, happened <laughs> to see that he was uh, in so I thought oh, I'll point it out to everyone but yeah, it was yeah. It, it was vintage Trigo. If you can imagine how Pete Trigo would bat um, chasing that sort of score in the first class game, that's exactly what happened. Until so they worked out that they could just put everybody on the boundary and, and start bowling it uh, at the return crease and get away with it. And then it all kind of it all kind of pieced out. But um, yeah, Trigo's obviously having a. It was. Sorry, Steve, you go on. It was quite fun listening to the commentary because. Um... Martin Emerson and Dave Bracegirdler were really, really experienced, really good commentators. You could hear their brains trying to rationalise a T20 game being played without T20 rules. <laughs> you know, and what got Trigo in the end is that a Durham bowler came on and realised if he bowled as wide as he could without it being a wide, he would, and then bowl the occasional straight one. And that it was fascinating because, mm-hmm. like you said, there was every man on the boundary. I think there was one point where Trigo played and missed, or had a Hoyken missed. And the Durham wicketkeeper didn't have anyone to throw the ball back to. Yeah, Somebody had to that. run in from mid-wicket <laughs> to catch the ball, to pass it on to the bowler and then run back out again. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It was like Saturday afternoon club cricket, wasn't it? When you need they need sort of 50 off the last 10 overs and you're playing in the lower leagues where there's no fielding restrictions. You just shove everybody out uh, on the boundary. And uh, the arms aren't great, so you're always running too. But... Um, but isn't it yeah. isn't it a great testament to county cricket that that game meant absolutely nothing? It was fifth and sixth in the North Group, 
and it went deep into the last day and until what was it about five ten past five where they shook hands you know there was absolutely nothing on it but both teams really wanted to you know get something out of the yeah. game i thought it was great yeah they got up to needing like 25 and over and realized that it couldn't be done actually saying it was a, that was a great advert for ganja cricket i just think that our game today was a was a really really good game of cricket it wasn't yeah. it was a fantastic advert f- for the four-day game you know it went like i say it went into the afternoon on the fourth day it was it was nip and tuck all the way nobody was on nobody was significantly on top throughout the game um we saw some great performances obviously tom lamanby's is his pick of the bunch <coughs> but yeah i think County cricket has been given a bit of a shot in the arm with this Bob Willis trophy and I hope that the uh, the momentum can continue but the other thing was guys that we were playing red ball cricket in August which is something well we got the old t- we got that token game that was shoehorned in, mm. in the middle of the blast last year and the year before didn't we mm. but you know on, on really good pitches and in really good, you know, the weather wasn't brilliant, but it was pretty good as you'd expect in August, and that that helps as well because you know there's nothing worse than a game in May where, you know, you don't play on the first day and you lose a couple of hours halfway through the third or something. And I think that that added a lot to the drama as well. But from the first round, I mean, Leicestershire, Derbyshire, all picked up wins in like the last hour of the first round of games. And I think that really got people interested in it and the streaming as we were talking about him before we started mm. recording you know the fact that there's streaming even though the Worcester streaming was a little bit erratic as we said with the, mm. the sort of where the camera went from time to time but the fact is it you know we can watch it we can see what's happening we can engage with the commentators etc I think it's a really important thing and it's clearly driving a lot of interest mm. beat CFAX <laughs> well, showing my, showing my age, what used to happen was you used to get the Bristol Evening Post, and in the Bristol Evening Post, which was delivered through our door in Taunton at about six o'clock, it would say Somerset v Worcestershire, Somerset 14 for no wicket, Rose 7 not out, Denning 5 not out. And that was the first 15 or 20 minutes. And then you had to listen to, clo- there was a close of Clay County Cricket Scoreboard at 7.15 on, I think it was on Radio 2. And my dad and I used to usually go and sit in the garden so we had peace and quiet. And you'd listen to the scores. And, off, and I would sort of jot things down. But it wasn't until the next morning that you, you read what was going on. And just looking back now, it just seems, next time yeah. we've got Anthony on, we'll have to talk to him about that because he'll remember those days working as he did for the BBC then it just sounds absurd now just, doesn't it yeah I mean like I said I just I saw a tweet about oh not so chasing this Trigo and Duckett are open literally pulled my phone out Knots cricket go bang and and you can watch it straight away it's yeah it, it's just incredible we are we are quite spoiled as cricket fans having all this live streaming available from 18 counties free of charge to watch, watch whatever we like um so saying that Worcestershire hid their well, pretended their stream wasn't available to non-members, even though it blatantly was. They just were pretending it wasn't. Yeah, they were pretending you had I, to uh, sign up and all that yeah. faff. I mean, I, I, I sort of work. I work in IT, and I was kind of thinking, well, that that's just on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, 
Exactly, that's what I said as well. <laughs> it's like, uh, what, it copy time. link, send. Oh, there you go. Yeah, because yeah. from what they did, they embedded the stream in their website. But what they didn't realize was that all you need to do is click on the little YouTube button at the bottom. That takes it to YouTube itself. And then you've got a link that you can share with everyone. So yeah, I don't know if that was unintentional, intentional or what. But yeah, they, it was a, it was a fast really because there's a lot of people who, who probably didn't realize that they could have watched all that game. And they, they, did, they, they missed it all, you know. It's yeah. a shame. And and the stream was absolutely awful quality as well for for large periods of the game as well. It was uh, Benny Hilled yeah. is the best description I've heard of it. Where, <laughs> yes, um, yeah. <laughs> all of a yeah. sudden, start talking like this, and then they just do nothing, and then they go like this again, and then it would stop. <laughs> yeah. So um, very uh, yeah, very grateful for the for the high quality stream we have at Taunton when we sort of seen the the um, uh, the quality of uh, some of the other counties. I do have to say I've got to give Trade Nation a plug because I, I entered a competition for the the stream on Friday night and I won this lovely uh, Somerset One Day shirt that I've uh, that I'm wearing at the minute. So uh, yeah, so thank you very much, Trade Nation. I I, I did enjoy hashtag streaming in style. Um, what do, what do you guys make of the? Uh, uh, what have we done that? Well, fifty two minutes. We should wrap this up. People are going to get bored. Um, just quick thoughts on the on the T twenty twenty streams with um with Charlie and Steve. What do you guys make of those? Impressed. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I often listen, I'm used to listening on, on the radio more because just because of my life and what I'm doing and, and that. But I've made the effort to watch the first couple of games. And given that they're finding their way as they're going, uh, it's quite it's quite good. I think I think they would benefit from having another voice in there because I think Charlie's basically doing ball by ball and mm. Steve Snell is is chipping in and making comments and i do think if you've got that that second third voice mm. in just that even, that as, would even help. as a bit of a rotation yeah and it's it's really hard work having having dipped my toe into doing it last season only for a brief while with anthony you come off and you it's actually quite exhausting mm. i mean the, the, the professionals the the gibbos and mm. the brace girdles and the, the emersons and co that just do it uh but I can imagine for Charlie, especially doing a T20 game when so much is mm. going on and the technology is all quite new. So, you know, but full, full credit to them. I think they've realised there's an opportunity. They know more people will want to watch because we can't get into the grounds. And, uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I take your point. It was a little bit um, a little bit jerky. They didn't quite have sort of the chemistry right on the on the first game they did. But I thought the Warwickshire game was absolutely superb. Did you catch that one, Dan? Yeah, I've watched watched both of the games. Yeah. The only thing I say is that I think they need to maybe talk a little bit less. They, I mean, obviously, I you know I don't blame them at all. They're obviously quite new to commentating on um, on like a, for effectively a televised game as opposed to radio. So but obviously on TV you don't need to speak quite as much as on the radio so I just wish they speak a little bit less but no I think it's good they got the tone right in terms of um, appealing to sort of more casual fans I think as well you know they haven't gone too gone too technical you know with, their, with the, what they talk about um, so yeah and I think it's also good that you know they they found a way obviously to monetize the stream um, the streaming so um, obviously the club are getting a bit of money out of the Trade Nation sponsoring so um, yeah very beneficial very good for the club yeah, I think um, in the current economic climate, we're actually quite fortunate to have a sponsor that is 
okay they are mentioned probably maybe a little bit too much but, yeah, I mean, still not, yeah. but that that being said they have you know they have made it possible for this almost a broadcast professional quality stream to be um yeah. to be available and like i say in, in this economic climate um we can't obviously thank them enough so um yeah yeah just absolutely maybe just a little bit less mentioning less is more i think, <laughs> I think we'll say less is more cool gents um should we wrap this up unless you've got anything urgently pressing should we catch up again after the, the this little batch of t20s when would that one finish makes sense let's do it let's do it fantastic okay well um that's it for tonight thank you very much for listening um if you want to give us a follow on twitter we are at somerset podcast um we are facebook.com slash somerset podcast and if you want to drop us an email we are the somerset podcast at gmail.com but for steve tancock and dan kingdom i'm ian shepherd goodbye and thank you for listening on a great day for somerset cricket <laughs>